Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Leela. And we, we are Both and a podcast giving a voice to the multiracial experience in America by discussing relevant topics in a safe space. Thank you so much for joining us for our second episode of Both and. If you haven't assumed it already, Beth and I are both biracial women, though of different mixes, and we really enjoy sharing about our multiracial experience. So that's what we're going to do. Yeah. So where are you at today, Leela? Where am I at? I'm having a good day. It's been a good week. Our first episode went out. Yeah. And we got some really good feedback. Started a lot of really good conversations. Yes. And I was very shocked and surprised at the amount of people who listened and who uh, were very into it. They just wanted to hear about our experience. Didn't even know that it was a different experience than Mm -hmm. their own. So that's been super encouraging. And it makes me really excited to continue doing this, to continue talking about these things. I think we are helping to push the 22% number up, which, as I told Beth earlier, everyone, I learned this week that Spotify um, reported that 22% of podcasts, only 22% are done by women, and even less by women of color. Dang. So that's... I mean, that's pretty shocking, but we're going to help push it to 23%. Yes. Or (laughs) (laughs) 22.45. Something like that. No, I think you're right. I think it was really cool getting a lot of feedback from people. At first, I thought only my mom was going to (laughs) listen. Hi, mom. I love you. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Um, But it was just encouraging hearing that even people who aren't multiracial Mm. responding positively to the podcast and asking questions and looking to learn not that we're experts and obviously since our experiences are different we can't speak for the entire community Mm -hmm. but just the fact that we're already building allies yeah um has been really cool what about you beth what have you learned this week what are you excited about um something that really stood out to me this week i came across um a quote that says it is important not to get so used to tearing away people's masks that you no longer hear the rip. And that really resonated with me because of when we were talking about on our last episode, um, how we choose to identify Mm -hmm. and how um, we choose to identify specifically racially and how other people have put us in certain boxes. Like when you talked about how different people thought you were one thing or how different people minimized my experiences because of, Mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. um i thought it was really important because it's true to acknowledge that a lot of different racial groups whether multiracial or monoracial are wearing masks yeah um i mean everyone wears a mask generally but specifically in terms of race like yeah because our society is so visual like we make judgments on people comparatively and not that judgments are bad mm-hmm. because in the sense of just comparing one thing to another and making a decision about it, that's normal. It's normal human behavior. Mm -hmm. But when you make a value judgment about something or when you choose, um, or because of your discomfort, like you're ripping off somebody's mask and trying to see what's underneath. Like Mm -hmm. we were talking about on the last episode, how don't force people to identify and accept whatever they say. Like they're wearing a mask specifically and that may be for protection. That may be to more easily help you identify or get to know them. Mm -hmm. Whatever the reason, um, it's important that we respect that and respect those boundaries. True. So, and that was a good reminder for me because sometimes I am prone because I am multiracial to ask the, what are you question? And Mm -hmm. I catch myself because I'm like, no, like, 
one, don't phrase it that way. Two, think before you speak. <laughs> yeah. um, and three, like, why are you asking that? Yeah. Um, and just remembering, like, if I forget hearing that rip and knowing that I am making someone vulnerable and potentially exposing them in a way that they don't want to be exposed, like, that's really important for me to remember personally. Mm-hmm. And that's, rip is such, like, it feels so violent. Yeah. Like, like, like ripping <laughs> something off, a mask off of someone. It's, and you don't realize how you can do that with your words, Mm. by the way you address somebody, by the assumptions you make before you even have a conversation with them. You just kind of, like, look at them, look at how they present themselves to the world, and then assume, and then treat them out of of that assumption. This reminds me of, um, I went to, like, a educational workshop for work one time and it was about assumptions and about uh each individual student because at the time I was working with a lot of students Mm -hmm. and somebody asked a question because the lady was talking about like you're not going to make don't make assumptions based off of race right you don't know somebody's story you don't know their background you Mm -hmm. don't know what they've been through until you have that conversation and -hmm. somebody asked well like when is it safe to make assumptions and she said never like you never make assumptions (laughs) and even like for myself Like, I was like, that's hard. That is so hard to do. Because I'll see somebody by the way they dress, by the way they walk, by the way they carry themselves, and assume things about them, Mm -hmm. and then potentially approach them differently. And it's, it's, you have to be so aware of that to just, like, be on a level playing field with everyone and, like, treat everybody with respect and, like, Start at 100, you know, like, in terms of respect and love and, like, just care, which can be exhausting. Like, not everybody wants to do that, but yeah. I think I think it's something worth doing. Yeah. So that kind of goes into what we were talking about um, and the topic of today is we shared our backstory mm-hmm. on last episode, but we didn't really talk about how we choose to identify racially in terms of our multiracial status and not mm-hmm. just our racial and ethnic makeup. Are you telling me there's more than one way to identify multiracially? Yes. Oh, well, <laughs> news to me. <laughs> there are actually four ways. Four? <laughs> well, okay, so one of my favorite um, multiracial identity models has four specific labels. Mm-hmm. So the first one is singular identity, so only identifying as monoracial, picking one race over the other regardless of your makeup. And we see this all the time, and this was perpetuated by society in, like, the one-drop rule, Mm -hmm. right? So if you have one drop of minority blood, you are that minority status. Mm -hmm. And that was true historically in America for, like, a whole... (laughs) whole checkered past (laughs) we all know so somebody who identifies like the singular identity would be like Halle Berry yeah because Halle Berry is mixed race Mm -hmm. but she identifies as a black woman yes gotcha then there is border identity which means you are exclusively biracial you are both and all the time you're not half of this half of that one or the other Mm -hmm. you are all the time biracial both complete mix after that, it's called protean identity, which means you fluctuate between one racial identity at a time. So you may choose to identify as... So for me, I may choose to identify as white um, in one social situation, but then choose to identify as Asian in another, a different social situation. And then lastly, there's transcendent identity, which means people choose to not identify racially, 
because they just view race as something that society perpetuates. So, so they choose to not engage it. Okay. That's like Raven Simone, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on where she is on the issue currently. <laughs> yeah. I put her in that category. <laughs> there you go. So what would you say you identify as Ooh. multiracially? Mm, I feel a mix between border identity um, and then the protean identity because... Because I don't think society has allowed multiracial individuals to just straight up be multiracial. To say, like, I am multiracial. Um, One of our listeners was super generous and uh, gave me their Audible login to listen to Trevor Noah's book, Born a Crime. (laughs) After I, like, listened to just that little bit on Oprah, I got to hear the whole book. And in South Africa, they had everything broken down to, it was white, black, colored and I forget the fourth one but like so mixed people had their own they were like colored people or anybody who wasn't black any like brown for some reason they make like Japanese was white but Chinese was colored like so (laughs) there was like that colored section and we is there like a flow chart to help you determine (laughs) this it was all super racist (laughs) so I like don't know if it is beneficial to have something like that but part of me wants that I want specifically to be multiracial because I want to be both and all the time but the protein Mm. identity just feels more realistic almost yeah. It also feels a little inauthentic for mm-hmm. where I am right now because I want to get to a place where I'm not code switching. I want to get yeah. to a place where it's just like, this is who I am. I am multiracial all the time. So I, I think it would be I am protein identity right now with the hopes to one day figure out how to be border all the time. What about you? I think I am protein. I I'm very conscious of when I code switch or when I identify um, more as white or not really identify, when I present myself more as white or when Mm -hmm. I present myself more as Japanese. Mm -hmm. I'm sure a lot of multiracial listeners have a common experience, at least for me growing up, when you had to fill in like standardized tests or college applications and you have to identify racially and they only let you check one box Mm -hmm. so you could be caucasian african-american asian pacific islander native american hispanic latina latino or other Mm. and i always for like college applications i would always pick asian or on tests i would always pick asian but like when i um, applied for a credit card. I picked white. Yep. I have um, also done that. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And p- part of that is, um, milking benefits, mm-hmm. um, because there are more benefits for monoracial than multiracial people, yeah. which we'll talk about on another episode. Mm-hmm. And so I would identify one or the other also because I thought that would make people more comfortable being around me. Yeah. Um, if I presented myself as one or the other, but not both at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I I agree with you when you say it feels inauthentic to be protean, but I don't know. At least for me, for me. And I, I, for me that, that resonates with me, but I don't know if I want to strive for being, border or biracial like being Mm -hmm. both and all the time and part of that is because there is no biracial community or multiracial community like if I present myself as white there's a people group 
and a community I can be a part of. Yeah. And when I identify as Asian, there's a people group and a community that will support me and accept me. But, mm-hmm. like, being multiracial, that's... What is there? Uh, yeah. Like, <laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing. Yet. <laughs> Yet. And I hope we could be a part of building something, but that does take, like, that's a history. That is, like, a community. That is generations upon generations building traditions and having, like, those common experiences. And the multiracial community is so diverse. Anybody, you could be a mix. At least in my terminology, multiracial is you are more than one race. So that, you could be anything. Yeah. And how do you... And do we want to get to a, a place where it's like, okay, I have my multiracial community, which is black and white specifically, mm-hmm. and you have yours, which is Asian and white specifically. There's like the beauty in the diversity of it because we mm-hmm. have this friendship. Yeah. And we do have common experiences, even though they're different. So it's kind of, it's honestly, it feels like a both and scenario. I it want does. both. I want a full multiracial community. I want black and white only racial community. And then... I want the world as well. Can't, can't we just have it all? <laughs> just we'll it try. All. <laughs> we'll try. So yeah, I think something cool is how you and I do have a unique friendship compared to our common friend group. Mm-hmm. So like, in our friend group, I mean, most of our common friends are white. And we love them dearly. We love you. And they love us. Um, and my husband's black. And so like, sometimes you and Will can have certain conversations and share experiences that I can support and appreciate as someone who loves both of you. Mm -hmm. But then there are also things in which you and I can relate on and Mm -hmm. connect on on a level that's different than our friends or Will um, just because we do have that unique multiracial experience. Mm -hmm. So maybe we can create our own category of being transcendent and biracial mm-hmm. so we can i we can present as white or i can present as asian or i can present as biracial yeah. and then still be able like you said to have that black and white community have that multiracial community have the world as your community yeah. <laughs> that sounds splendid to me i think something from my perspective i like the older i get and the more I appreciate just myself like we talked a little bit about my hair and I love my natural hair and I know like I cannot identify or I know the world will not accept me as white because of the way I look because of the way I'm perceived even though I desperately want to claim it and I feel it because I was raised by a white mother So that's, I feel like there's a part of this where we can claim as much as we want, but then where does the world stop us? Or like, where does the perception from society stop us, you know? Do you want to know the rest of the article that I read where I got these labels? Absolutely. Because that ties into it. So the researchers who created those four labels we were talking about, Mm -hmm. they found that, so they basically created those four categories and then studied how well those people did. And they found that people who identified as 
biracial or protean Mm -hmm. of that both and all the time or switching back and forth to either races Mm -hmm. had higher levels of self-esteem and lower levels of depression. Hey, all right. (laughs) Whereas people who identified as singular or transcendent had lower levels of self-esteem and higher levels of depression. Oh my gosh, that's so interesting. And that's they thought that was because people with who identify singularly or transcendent had a harder time integrating their ethnic or racial mm. cultural backgrounds. Dang. And so they had those different scores. Yeah. So I think trying to build a community despite having different multiracial identity labels Mm -hmm. and what we pick and choose. Um, So, like, if you want to claim and identify as white sometimes, Mm -hmm. I'm totally going to support that. Like, shoot, we just had dinner together. (laughs) (laughs) This may be a little intimate, and I'm sorry, Will, but I'm also (laughs) not sorry. (laughs) We're talking, and I made a casserole for dinner, and Lil was over, and Will was over, and he was like, you know, I never really ate casseroles before I met you. And I was like, yeah, I know. I introduced you to that white culture. <laughs> and <laughs> Casseroles, white culture. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, you and I have that experience, and you and I know how to make casseroles. Yep. And, I mean, I also know how to make sushi and, like, several other Japanese dishes. And so, like, you and I can bond over white cultural mm-hmm. artifacts and we yeah. also can bond over being biracial and getting the what are you question or having to check the other box yeah which i've done more often now since we've been friends really yeah. oh that's so good i still check the other box i've seen a lot more two or more race boxes yes i like the oh check my. all that apply boxes mm-hmm. that's my favorite so i think it's important that we recognize that like white culture and white privilege aren't the same as white passing. Yes. Because when, I guess, as we try and build a multiracial community, Mm -hmm. we can't have gatekeepers that say, how much minority do you have in your background in order to get in here? Yes. We don't want people to look at somebody's ancestral past or their ethnic makeup and say, well, you haven't suffered. You don't know what it's like. You therefore cannot join this. Like that is not productive. That is not fair. And it's doesn't move us forward, frankly. I think that's good because like, so for instance, sometimes I'm white passing. Sometimes people think I'm Hispanic. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people think I'm Hawaiian. (laughs) So for those times when people think I'm white, naturally, In this day and age, people also think that means I have white privilege. Mm -hmm. But privilege, like you were saying, comes in many forms. Like, there's able-bodied privilege. Mm -hmm. There's gender privilege. There's age privilege. Um, And so I think white privilege is just like all those other ones of, like, be aware that you have it, but Mm -hmm. you are no less of a person because you have privilege, and I don't. Mm -hmm. Or I have areas of privilege that others don't, and that doesn't make me a terrible person. Mm -hmm. Um, How I act and how I wield that power is what determines whether I'm a terrible person or not. But just the mere fact of having it doesn't. Um, And it doesn't make you any less multiracial. And I don't think... I guess, like, the real thing that we're 
trying to flesh out is how do we develop a multi-racial community that's supportive of one another and how we choose to identify when we identify differently. Mm -hmm. So sometimes how someone chooses to identify may not correspond with how I see them. Yeah. That's their choice, not mine. Mm -hmm. And so I can't let my discomfort keep them from being part of the community. Yes. And that kind of goes back to the quote that I started with. It's important not to get so used to tearing away people's masks that you no longer hear the rip. Like, someone can't come to our multiracial clubhouse being like, well, here's my ethnic background. Can mm-hmm. I come in? Can I come play? And mm-hmm. it's like, no, I'm sorry. You don't have enough minority races in you. You can't identify as multiracial. Oh, yeah. like, Absolutely not. Because you can be multiracial with, like, a German father and an Irish mother. Like, those are two different cultures coming together. And even though you might look like the whitest boy on the block, like, if that's how you identify, like, I accept that. Yeah. What I do not accept, and we can talk about this later, is Rachel Dozel. (laughs) That girl's white, and all of a sudden she claims she's black. Okay. Claiming (laughs) mixed heritage and cultural appropriation are also two different things. We're not accepting that. Um, Cultural appropriation... While it may seem like you're trying to give a compliment, you're really not. Mm-mm. Yeah, because you and I sometimes identify differently as biracial. Mm-hmm. And we are different racial backgrounds, yet we still can have a really good friendship because we're accepting of one another. Mm-hmm. And also, we support one another on the growth of what that looks like. Yes. So, like, just because you identify one way now doesn't mean... I'm always going to expect you to identify that way mm-hmm. forever. Yeah. Because it it changes and grows as we change and grow. And it is like, I think it's just, oh man, it's so much an identity thing. So, and our identity is not the same as it was when we were in middle school or high school or college. Like it changes like as we grow. So therefore like, and I don't know if it's the same. I don't think it's the same for other people and listeners this is where you can weigh in because it's like if you are if you identify as caucasian and you are from caucasian parents and that's it that doesn't really change you know like same if you're black or hispanic or just if you're monoracial that doesn't change when you're multiracial it does and it's an interesting thing (laughs) it's very weird (laughs) yeah so for instance growing up My parents divorced when I was a kid, and they both remarried. Mm -hmm. And they decided to live close to each other to make my life easier. Um, And so eventually we had a 50-50 split custody. So my brother and I would stay at my mom's house half the time, and we would stay at my dad's house the other half of the time. Mm -hmm. But my parents decided that we would switch houses every other day and every other weekend. So I was literally stepping (laughs) into a different family, a different household every other day, which corresponded well with me learning biracial identity as I Mm -hmm. grew up because I stepped into two different lifestyles every other day, every other weekend. Yeah. Um, And that's kind of how it feels sometimes to be biracial Mm -hmm. of like, sometimes people are like, oh, are you Asian? Like, oh my gosh, let's talk about these things. Let's connect over these things. Or like when I'm with my Asian family or my cousins who are also half Asian Mm -hmm. or when I'm with some of my friends and like, I just identify as white and that's fine. Like that's that protein identity manifestation of what it feels like to switch racial identities every other day. Um, 
because you don't have to share that experience to be part of the community. Mm-hmm. Oh. I was just going to say, I think the way you grew up, like, that seems like a healthy way to do it. I know I've experienced unhealthy ways to do it, which we've talked about a couple of months ago when there was just a lot of hot topics of race in the news, and Mm -hmm. I felt very on the defense all the time Mm -hmm. and kind of, as (laughs) I think you said it right, like I just kind of denied my white side to the point where we, at one point, (laughs) we went into this bar and there were a bunch of white guys there and they were playing country music all on the radio, like on the sound system that was playing throughout the bar. Yeah. And I went up and put in, I think, $5 worth of just trap music. Yeah. J- just to watch them flee, which they did. <laughs> and that, and I was just in such a bad space at that time because I was sad and hurt. But yeah. it's like I shouldn't have, like, denied my white, like, the white part of myself because... I just was so angry, you know? Do you remember what I said to you that night? No. Remind me. You came down smugly sipping your drink after you dropped those five dollars. <laughs> and I knew exactly what you did. And I just looked at you and I was like, Layla, please don't hate my white side. <laughs> I do remember and that. And you now. were like, nah, girl, I love you. And I was like, cool, I love you too. <laughs> I got some own self-hate for my white side right now. But, but like... Figured it out. <laughs> I let you have that. Yeah. Yeah, you did. Oh, <laughs> thank you. What because you are. <laughs> if you decided to identify as monoracial, mm-hmm. just as black, like, I knew I needed to support that, or even just, like, this exploration of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew you weren't hurting anyone, except for the people at the bar, but, like, really, they're fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, are we listening to nonstop country right now? They were hurting me. They were hurting all of us. <laughs> I did this um, a favor. <laughs> but, yeah, like, you weren't hurting anyone or yourself in exploring that. Mm-hmm. And so, like, supporting that growth and that exploration, I was like, you know what? If Leela decides to identify as monoracial for the rest of her life, she and I will still be friends. Yeah, Like, we will still be connected, and as long as she is accepting of me continuing to identify as biracial, we're fine. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, I think we found we're at the beginning of really finding a good way to build that community, to accept it as it is, to accept in individuals as it is. And as it grows, as we come into it, accept people as they are. So, listeners, what we want to know is how do we form multiracial community when we identify differently? I think we've covered just, like, the beginning of it. Like, Mm -hmm. just accepting people as they are, accepting them, how they identify. But what what else can we do? Because the multiracial community is so diverse. Yeah. And it can be broken down into so many different ways. But if we want to have this big, like, all-inclusive multiracial community, how do we do it? What do you guys think? And monoracial listeners, whether Caucasian or otherwise like what are ways you can support your loved ones on this multiracial journey mm-hmm. so you can email us your answers or questions or articles at we are both and at gmail.com you can hit us up on twitter at we are both and and we look forward to hearing your responses thank you all for listening let's talk about this together 
Thanks to Skipstone Productions, who designed our logo and our music is by the very talented Keycentric, so listen to him on Spotify or SoundCloud. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. To listen to more episodes, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play. Just search for Both and Podcast.